0: Are listening
1: to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast, and now bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows. Here are your Here are your Here, codes, here are your here codes, here. This is We have a Here with our Here So we may
0: experience some slight are and then are your I have a bad feeling about this. Well just
1: put the cowboy, would you? What's this place? Yeah. This is a free show.
2: Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 154. I am one of your hosts, Scott Hertzog. And hello, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And we are so excited to be back here. The diner has been closed for about two and a half weeks, and it feels like forever since we podcasted. I'm excited to be sitting across the table from you, Miles.
3: Uh, likewise, I'm looking forward to talking some good sci-fi and... Uh and, and listeners, I, I think uh, we, we got some good stuff to talk about tonight. We have a
2: great interview. We just got done talking with Bob Greenberger. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you never heard of Bob Greenberger? Then You've... you obviously are living under a rock. No, I'm just kidding. You, you, uh, but it right. means that maybe you haven't kept up with some of the expanded universe stuff.
3: Well, B- Bob has written extensively in comic books, uh, Star Trek novels, other sci-fi novels.
2: Yeah, didn't you do like the, the Encyclopedia of Batman, Encyclopedia of Wonder Woman?
3: Little Hellboy two, st- oh, he yeah.
2: novelization, and mm-hmm. now we have the unauthorized Star Trek.
3: Yes, the hit. Yes, the complete unauthorized history. So
2: yeah, so Ray good. It's a beautiful book. You guys are going to want to check this out. Miles is not giving up his copy. Um, no, 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 no. It is. It is quite. It's quite a beautiful book. Seriously, and we're going to talk more about that later on. We do have to say that tonight. This show comes courtesy of Michael Cleland. Thank you for throwing some money into that tip jar at the SciFiDinerPodcast.com page. Thank you, Michael. We appreciate, we appreciate it and thank you for helping me make this show possible for keeping us on the air. No, it's not quite that bad. But we do appreciate any help for bandwidth and covering some of the costs. And right. This is a nice gesture.
3: It, it's a fantastic gesture. Yes, yes, yes.
2: Miles is going to clean the tables a little bit better now.
3: I'll do it with a smile on my face. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Versus that, I'm going to kill you look that he always walks around with.
3: So that's not always that bad, but you know it depends on you know depends who it is. Depends on who it is, yeah.
2: Yes. If it's me, definitely.
3: Oh
0: De- yeah, definitely.
2: definitely. Yeah. That's a that's a no brainer. Well, Miles, we have we're gonna touch about what's going on in our sci fi world a little bit, but brief uh, in the listener feedback show we'll go into depth, but tell us a little bit what's going on in your sci fi world here.
3: Um I haven't seen any new movies in a while, but I am en- really enjoying it. I know, I know. Um some stuff's coming out on D V D, so I'm gonna have to check that out. But um, really enjoying Arrow, A Walking Dead, uh, Revolution. Um, on the patio book front, I'm enjoying um, We're Alive. I'm reading a uh, Stargate novel right now called uh, 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 Argelius, I think it's called. Uh, so I'm about halfway through that. That, that. I'm enjoying that one too. So, so yeah, that's what I What th- about
1: Fringe?
3: Oh, I forgot about Fringe, yeah. Uh, can't forget about Fringe. I uh, can't forget about Fringe. Um, enjoying fr- the heck out of Fringe also.
2: Yeah. Fringe, Fringe, and Arrow are the two TV shows that I am up on. I am woefully, be- I, you know, Alpha's wrapped up, and I did not finish watching Alpha's. I have probably like six episodes of that. I haven't watched a single Walking Dead episode this season. I am ashamed to admit it. But I, it is, but I am up on Arrow and Fringe and uh, Revolution. I am up. i watched watched first two episodes and haven't watched further, but I'm interested in it. I know mm-hmm. some people have said I, I followed some people that said, "Well, we've kind of stopped watching it," and so I hope that's not a maybe that's just their their taste and isn't necessarily mm-hmm. a sign of what's going to happen with the show but i'm um, very interested in that part of the issue is i've been waiting to w- watch it with my wife and unfortunately i'm exhausted at about 8:39 o'clock and i'm typically in bed really and so i just don't we just stay. she's like hey let's watch a tv show and i'm like <sighs> you know it's just terrible i just don't i, right. don't,
3: I well the, the, you, you get up a- early in the morning with the cows i so. do i get up
2: yeah, cows there's no cows here but mm-hmm. you can tell you're in lancaster county that's for sure now mm-hmm. uh i certainly get up early for my job and that's some of it um i too wonder like uh, i haven't been sleeping real well and that may also be an issue and that's because i've been i have this herniated disc in my neck and you guys i know on the podcast really care about this but but that's been keeping me from resting real solidly through the night and so that i think would that's some of it as well but Anyways, uh, as far as what I'm reading, I finished robo Apocalypse*. Absolutely. It was a novel that I picked up right after The Elfstones of Shannara mm-hmm. and it was really difficult to make the switch because the writing style of this guy, I forget the author's name, is so different. Mm-hmm. But by the time – halfway through the novel, I was like I was hooked. I couldn't stop reading it. So it did hook me. Mm-hmm. It just took a little bit to get there. And I just began Game of, Game of Thrones book four again. I got about halfway through, got sidetracked. Now I'm starting at the beginning and reading it again. Mm-hmm. So I will make it through this time. I'm determined.
3: I'm just can't wait for uh, Game of Thrones season two to come out available be available on Netflix. I have access to it. Okay,
2: we'll we'll talk after that. Well, we will talk. I have access to it. Not in this, but I have access. I'll, I'll hook you up, Miles. Awesome. So, <laughs> all right. Well, let's go into our menu tonight, uh, Miles. Why don't you go ahead and give us a rundown sure. of what you're cooking up?
3: Well, we talked about our interview with Bob Greenberger. That's something you have to look forward to at the end of the show. And in, in trivia this week, uh, we'll have a new trivia question
2: and a chance to win.
3: Um, uh, some uh, Tom Decker, right? Yes, uh, Tom Decker. So we had we had a fantastic uh, interview and, and talk uh, with him.
2: We'll guys. be releasing that, I believe, next week.
3: Uh, surely. So great picture he he gave us. So we we'll look forward to sharing that with you. Absolutely. In, in TV news, finally, Blood and Chrome. Well, it's. Not really TV, it's, 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 it's a webisode. Close, close, close enough. Close enough, but who cares? We got, we finally got Blood and Chrome and, uh, and Farscape SG-1 alumni joins, uh, CWO's arrows. So that, that'll be cool. And movie news, uh, Man of Steel, uh, now in 3D, um, and Superman quits his day job? Okay. Um, uh, Mark Wahlberg in Terminator 4, oh, Transformers
2: 4. Try, up yeah. T4 though. T4, yeah.
3: <laughs> and, uh. Uh, Howard Sherman and their Hobbit, uh, Princess Leah, once in the sequels. And this week's in tw- the twist, the only real Star Trek captains, uh, according, we'll find out by who. who uh,
2: Kate Mulgrew. Is, yeah. But Kate Mulgrew said
3: that. Said that. And um, some news about uh, season two of, of TNG on Blu ray.
2: And we're going to end with our sci-fi five and five, five great serenity quotes that you came up with, I believe. Yes, yes. yeah. So we're excited about it. Some great news to kind of chat about. Miles, why don't you go ahead and take us into our trivia and give our people a good chance to win some Thomas Decker as Terminator.
3: All right. Well, um, this is going back if, if quite a few years, but um, maybe you might remember the movie Starman. Uh, so,
2: hmm.
3: so who was Starman in the movie by that name? This is not
2: a hard answer, and easily found in IMDB.
3: It's, it, it, we're giving you an easy one this week folks.
2: Yeah, so there's uh, no reasonation
3: <clears throat> eh, but so uh, the code word this for this is satisfaction) mm-hmm.
2: Yep, Satisfaction, the song that was actually in. In time. the movie, yes. Yeah, so uh, Rolling Stones there bringing you Satisfaction, and it is a code word for this week. They get to win a signed print by uh, by Thomas Decker. Mm-hmm. Now, who else is in this photo that they could be interested in?
3: Oh, my. If they go to a convention and if um, the lovely Summer Glau might be there.
2: Right. Miles might. will kill you and then... But
3: No, I'm just kidding. Well, maybe.
2: Um, <laughs> or maybe Summer Cloud will kill you and that will just be it. But Summer Cloud? She would probably do it
3: with her pinky. But Right,
2: right, definitely.
3: But uh, it, it, it's, it's the three of them from uh, Sarah, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Well, and Lena Headey, right? Lena, Lena Headley from um, – who is now really, really big in Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones
2: and uh, the new Dread movie, which mm. I didn't see.
3: Yeah, so her, her career has definitely taken off since um, – um, Sir Chronicles. So this, this would be a fantastic picture in your collection, folks. Uh, there's already one signed autograph on there. If you get the other two, it, it'll just be perfect.
2: And it's just cool to have a Terminator come on, signed print in your house. Oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah, I did mention that it's actually Tom Secker, of course, did not play Terminator. He played John Connor. He played John so, Co- yes. Just to clarify that, mm-hmm. We do know that. All right, Miles. Well, thank you for bringing us the Trivia. Uh, we're, I guess we're going to give them what? To the beginning of December to answer this? I think that's good. December 11th is uh, supposedly going to be our Christmas show. And so why don't you go ahead and try to get it for that and so just let us know the answer. So very cool. Well, let's move into our first promo tonight. Mm-hmm. In our first promo, we're going to give some love to Trek News and Views who are now part of – what network is that?
3: They are part of the Trek FM network. The
2: Trek FM network, and they put together a combination of three of our interviews. Oh, um, I think it was the and Keating, it was Lavar Burton, and mm-hmm. it was the uh, Q. Okay, John John, John Delancey. I think yeah. those were the three. I could be wrong. Uh, we actually have done more Trek interviews than that, but those were the three that they picked, and um, and they aired them all. And so, so thanks, guys, for doing that. Oh and, yeah. Um, and we just want to give uh, you guys a little bit of love tonight and track news and news. ever thought to yourself, I'd like to listen to a Star Trek podcast?
1: That's different. I'm ready to irradiate your existing brain cells. Oh, how about one with an English host? T. Gray Hot Or a news section? Accessing library
0: computer data. Or one that
2: can help you navigate for the latest Star Trek news.
1: Can anyone remember when we used to be explorers? Well, not quite, but...
2: Trek News and Views will
1: bring you the latest news with either review or
2: discussion from a wide variety of co-hosts.
1: Oh my. Don't accept anything less. And you people, you're all astronauts on some kind of Star Trek. Trek News and Views, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and on the Trek FM website are similar podcasts. Up to be
2: discouraged. And. Let's move into this first piece of TV news. And again, we said it wasn't really TV news, but it's kind of spurned by a TV show. So we just call it TV news. We're, we're hoping this becomes a TV series. That's why it's here. Right. So go ahead, Miles. Tell us.
3: Well, we finally you know, we, – we've, we've been talking about this for – it feels like a couple of years now. But, but we're, we're going to finally get the chance to see uh, uh, as a web series, at least starting out hopefully, um, is Battlestar Galactica Blood and Chrome. So we're just two days away from uh, the, the – the De- debut of the new Battlestar Galactica prequel web series, Blood and Chrome, and if you weren't already stoked, this clip will definitely put you over the edge. Long before he was an admiral with the fate of humanity on his hands, William Adama was just one damn good pilot. In this clip from the ten-part series, a, a partnership between sci-fi and, and machinima, young William Adama, played by uh, Luca Pasqualino, finds himself in a dogfight with two silent fighters, and his viper is a little worse for wear. To even his odds, he pulls off a daring, almost suicidal, and seriously badass maneuver. Pretty cool, right? And and in case you wanted uh, another uh, primer, here's the official description. An all-new chapter in the Battlestar Galactica saga, Blood and Chrome takes place in the midst of the the First Cylon War. As the battle between humans and their creation, the sentient robot Cylons rages across the 12 colonial worlds. A young talented fighter pilot, William Adama, finds himself assigned to, to one of the most powerful battle stars in the colonial fleet, the Galactica. The first installment of Blood and Chrome will hit Machinima's YouTube channel Friday, with the rest following over the next month. Then next year, we're, we're getting a full-length movie follow-up from Sci-Fi. What do you think? Does this uh, clip have you pumped for the show?
2: Well, if we're going to play that clip, and we're going to see if it pumps us up, Miles. You know, here's the thing. Machinima, they're the people that did Mortal Kombat with Seven of Nine, mm-hmm. um, and Tom O'Pennicott was in it, and right. there were some other people that were in it. And so they do good work. So it's really cool that they're doing it. Let me go ahead and just play this clip. has me pumped because you see Adama mm-hmm. kicking ass. This did I say that in the show? Probably not. But I just did and it's uh, mm-hmm. he, he's doing that.
3: Very impressive. I mean this is an impressive battle scene uh, so I, I, I suspect this is going to be more of what we'll see on the show. Is it'll be
2: more space it'll be more fighting probably than we saw in the main series.
3: Yeah this is going to be more of a war drama. You know
2: this feels this this has <laughs> the look of the Ron D. Moore Battlestar Galactica. Oh, it does. I mean, but the, the real question is, can the writing rise behind it? Because the thing that made Battlestar was the writing in the conflict. Right? Are they going to be able to do that?
3: Yeah, I, that, we're hoping. We're, we're really hoping. I really hope this show can, succeeds and um, just
2: kind of keep the Galactica universe going a little, maybe a little while longer. We would love to see it go a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. But, so I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I can't wait to see it. This, of course, this episode will be out after this air, but you can go to the YouTube channel and then check it out. Mm-hmm. And hopefully the trailer we replay kind of whets your appetite a little bit to do so. And let us know what you thought. one 508 4343 You can call in or just send us an MP3 with your thoughts. at the sci fi dot podcastgmailcom and we will air them on our listener feedback show. We'd love to hear what you think of Blood and Chrome. Blood and Chrome. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Farscape and Stargate SG-1 fans... Now have a reason to rejoice because one of their favorites has joined the CW, the Arrow. That's right. So let's uh, let's just chat about this, Miles. When it comes to sci-fi alumni, Arrow is a place to be. The CW has hit as the CW hit has added another guest star to its growing roster. What would be better than a visit from Captain Jack Hartness? How about one from Commander John Crichton? It's being reported that Ben Browder is headed to the Arrow the actor's been cast as a DC Comics character, Ten Gaynor. He's made a de- he'll make a debut in episode eleven, where he comes in between Oliver and Diggy's Diggles. Sorry, is that, is that Diggle, right? Mm-hmm. Diggles uh, budding partnership. Gaynor and Diggles served together over in Afghanistan. At the time Gaynor was his commanding officer. Now he's in Starling City, working as a bodyguard bodyguard for the Black Hawk Squad Protection Group. So a little Uh, picture of the comic there that we'll put in the show notes. Browder's best known for his roles as John Crichton in Farscape and Cameron Mitchell in Stargate SG-1. He's recently appeared in episodes of Chuck, Doctor Who, Browder makes his Arrow debut early next year. Arrow airs airs Wednesdays. We, of course, love that show. What do you think of this, Miles? Uh, I...
3: I, I love I love ben, ben Browder. I think he he will definitely add something to the show.
2: They don't say if it's going to be a reoccurring, but the way they kind of write it, they suggest it's more than just the one off. That that's what it suggests to me too. So I mean, hey, I loved his character. I don't know the thing that made him. Here's the thing: Are they going to write his character similar to what they do with SG One and Farscape? Because those characters are not far apart as far as the way he played them. N- no, no, they're not. And they're one of the reasons that we love, mm-hmm. you know, Ben Browder, right? Mm-hmm. So, are we going to love him if he plays a more serious role? It's
3: it. Yeah, I I would, sus- I would suspect. I mean, he's playing ex-military. It probably wouldn't be too far from his departure from uh, his uh, Cameron Mitchell character. I would think.
2: Yeah, yeah. But no, we'll uh, see. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But we'll I, see. It'll, it'll still be it'll,
3: bad. It'll still be good to see
2: it on the show. It'll be good to mm-hmm. see show. But, all right, well, let's move into some movie news,
3: and why don't you take this story? So Zack Snyder says, we'll get the chance to watch The Man of Steel with 3D glasses. Uh, you, don't, you didn't ask for it, but you're getting it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you want it or not. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've, we've had our own debate about uh, 3D. Uh, so, Hearn's going to love this story. Uh, so Superman's latest outing, Man of Steel, will be released in 3D. Uh, Warner Brothers confirmed decision on Wednesday. As we all know, Man of Steel wasn't shot in 3D. Therefore, the film has to be converted in post-production. Oh, people hate that. I, I'm, I'm, Yeah, I'm not thrilled about that. Yeah. It's a process that doesn't have the best reputation. As we just suggested. But the studio has more than seven months to get it right. In the press release, director Zack Snyder said, the film is going to be visually exciting experience in all formats, 2D, 3D, and IMAX. I would and love to see this in IMAX.
2: Can you imagine seeing the Man of Steel? That suit looks phenomenal.
3: Yeah, it does. But, anyways, it's a good update of the suit. And uh, I anticipate how audiences today embrace 3D. We we designed and photographed the uh, (coughs) movie in a way that would allow Man of Steel to to captivate those moviegoers, while respecting fans who prefer a more traditional cinematic experience. We've taken great measure to ensure that the film and the story come first, and 3D is meant as an enhancement. Hmm. Do you trust his judgment? Man of Steel stars Henry Cavill as Superman's uh, Clark Kent with uh, Amy Adams as Lois Lane, Michael Shannon as General Zod, uh, Kevin Costner as Jonathan Kent, Diane Lane as um, Martha Kent, um, Lawrence Fishburne as Perry White, and Russell Crowe as uh, Jor-El. I think that's a great cast. Oh, I, yeah. I, I
2: can't wait to see this film. We did get a trailer. There was a trailer out for it, right?
3: We we did we did play a trailer for it a couple months ago.
2: Yeah, so uh, way in advance. But you know, here is the thing that I like about it. You know, we can complain about 3D all you want, but you will not be forced to see it in 3D. No, you won't. They, they, you have the option to see it in 2D, mm-hmm. or the IMAX, or 3D, or 3D in the IMAX. I mean, right. they're going to give you the options.
3: Yeah. That's, yeah so uh,
2: you know, we can we can we can cry and complain and you know and dog it for being in 3D, but quite honestly. We really don't have a leg to stand on because they're giving us the option of not seeing it.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean I don't know if I'll spend the extra five bucks for a movie to see in 3D or not. But um, I I will want to see it in theaters though at least.
2: I I think this is one that I need to see in theaters and I'm looking forward to it and – Hey, Mm 3D, more power to them, So it never helps sell Superman.
3: It hits theaters June 14th, 2013. Yeah.
2: Well, this is not movie news, but since we just stopped talking about Man of Steel, I thought I'd throw the story in here. Clark Kent quits his newspaper job, his day job. The writers say character is likely to start his own blog. So uh, those of you that have followed the uh, Superman franchise, you know that Superman has always been a newspaper man. Right, worked for the Daily Planet. Always working for the Daily Planet. So Mm -hmm. here's... Here's the story in the comic book series latest issue, which went on sale Wednesday in outrage. Clark Kent quits his job at the daily planet after his boss berates him. I was taught to believe you could use words to change the course of rivers that even the darkest secrets could fall under the harsh light of the sun. The superheroes all eager alto Alter Ego says in the newsroom outburst, but facts have been replaced by opinions. Information has been replaced by entertainment. Reporters have become stenographers. I can't be the only one here who's sick of what passes for news today. In Wednesday's issue, Kent tells his editor he's been journalist for barely five years. But for decades, his job as a reporter of the Daily Planet has been a mainstay of the Superman story. Word of the superhero's career move drew attention from media critics and others who watched the newspaper industry's struggles. It seems overly dramatic, said Erica Smith, a former newspaper employee who's tracked U.S. newspaper industry layoffs and buyouts on her Paper Cuts blog since 2007. It doesn't seem to me to fit either the industry or the character. If he'd have been laid off or taken in a buyout, like more than 2,000 others in the U.S. newspaper industry this year, it would have been a little bit more realistic, Smith said with a laugh. The proportion of Americans who read news on printed pages declining, according to the Pew Research Center and the For the people in the press, the center said in September, the study that just 23% of those surveyed said they read a print newspaper for the previous day. An 18% point decrease over the past decade. But online and digital readership is growing, the study says. So Superman quit his day job. What do you think of this? It
3: It definitely makes for more – creates more drama. And there's nothing saying he can't go back. To his job later on. No,
2: and come on, blogging is just a modern uptake of the newspaper industry, anyway. I mean, just Mm -hmm. I mean, these. I'm sure they can work into a blog that would have something similar in name and sentiment. Mm -hmm. You know, it's 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 updating Superman to keep with the time.
3: That that that's what I like about this 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 possibility is, is that you know it's. This is a retelling of the Superman story, I'm assuming, in this, this comic book uh, version. So,
2: And I'm not opposed to this. I'm not. We still have the old comic books and we have plenty of years. you really are diehard, go back to the old comic books and read them. So,
3: no, this, this doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. Well, what do you think about this next story, uh, Miles? Why don't you go ahead and read it? So, did the internet just land Mark Wahlberg, that Transformers gig? A couple of weeks ago, we heard whispers that Michael Bay's next Transformers flick could star Mark Wahlberg a rumor that Bay himself promptly quashed. But now it seems Bay might be reconsidering, and we really could be headed for a marky-mark headline Transformers 4, thanks to, well, you people. The initial rumor that uh, Bay and Wahlberg could be teaming for the next Autobots versus Decepticons showdown seemed to be a misunderstanding of actual news, as Bay did confirm that he and Wahlberg were doing a different project together. But now it seems that the previous work may be inspiring a future collaboration of the Transformers kind. Um, here's what Bay had to say on his blog. I quashed a rumor that was on the internet last week. It was about Mark Wahlberg. Mark was rumored to be starring in Transformers 4. We were working on another movie all together, not T4. I had a very great time working with, with Mark on Pain and Gain, and he gave such a great performance. And w- well, let's just say that v- the very in- internet chatter gave me some ideas. We are at the inception of our story process right now on, on T4. Let's just say some ideas are uh, get gain- uh traction and with me and my writer so i'm here to say thanks internet chatter so it would seem bay has reconsidered ruling out Wahlberg for his next alien robot super blockbuster thanks at least in part to all you guys out there who wouldn't stop uh, spreading and, and discussing the rumor and hey we'll take another of the credit for that too the question now is whether we really want Wahlberg's Wahlberg transformers flicks since it, it's a little closer to really happening so how about it is bay heading in the right direction
2: what do you think is Wahlberg uh, as a, header, a heading up of uh, Transformers?
3: I, I don't know. Um, we, you know, if
2: we get him, we're going to get a much more manly Wicky. If, if that's a role he's playing. But the main mm-hmm. character, Witwicky, you know, he's mm-hmm. going gonna to be a whole different character. I mean, number one, he's not going to be filling in his shoes. My understanding is this. The next Transformers is going to take place in the future. Right. And... It's a whole new character that we're running with, and so. But mm-hmm. I think you're going to have a much more. You know, here's the thing. You know, Shia LaBeouf is not a manly man. I. You know, maybe I'll, people will hate me for it, but he's he's kind of wimpy. looking don't you think? He, he, yeah, I'm I don't. I'm not using the right words here, but he's not. He's not the guy that, that you would expect to be out there saving the universe.
3: He's not. Yeah, you don't think of him as an action
2: star, but. Wahlberg, a bit more so. I think of Shiner, a, a bit more so. Yeah, Planet of the Apes. Oh, maybe not so much. <laughs> that's, he got kind of panned for that, but he's done a lot of stuff that I really enjoy.
3: Yeah, and um, so yeah, I, it wouldn't be a huge leap to see me to see him in Transformers. Yeah. So
2: yeah, I, I hate that to call it as T four because you keep thinking, oh, Terminator four.
3: That, that's I made that mistake. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was thinking,
2: so, oh, T four, T four. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you know, it's kind of cool that Michael Bay is considering this. That you know here. People misunderstand something on the internet. They start spreading this, and this rumor goes viral, and he begins to think, maybe this a possibility. Maybe, if not the main character, maybe he's worked into the movie in another way. But, mm-hmm. but. I
3: thought Michael Statham was going to be uh, – there was talk of him being in the next Transformers movie.
2: Yeah, who knows? It's so early on. The script doesn't even seem to be written. They're just in the idea stage, so who right. knows? Right. I'm surprised Michael Bay is doing a fourth one because for a while he said he wasn't.
3: So That's true.
2: So bring it on. All right. Well, let's move on to this next story. I'm excited about this. Hobbit tickets went on sale, Miles. Did you buy yours? Uh, n- no, I, I didn't. Maybe I should. Maybe you should. We are definitely going to see this one in the theaters. Mm-hmm. But this is this story tonight. We have the first gorgeous cut from the Hobbit soundtrack set in Middle Earth. And it kind of sets the Middle-earth mood. Now, we're going to play a clip of the song here in just a second. we We'll put I'll put the entire song in its entirety at the end so you can hear it in um, its entirety. But it's absolutely phenomenal. So, aside from the stunning visuals, Howard Shore's gorgeous soundtrack, Lord of the Rings, was one of the greatest parts of Peter Jackson's trilogy. The legendary composer had thankfully returned to the Hobbit prequels. And now the first full track has been leaked online. Want to hear it? Yes. Oh, we will play it in just a second here. (laughs) Dubbed Radagast the Brown, the Atmosphere Orchestra track definitely evokes the same vibe as the classic Lord of the Rings tune. The track's title refers to the animal-loving wizard played by former Time Lord Sylvester McCoy. Judging the title alone, it's likely this tune will pop up in about the same time as McCoy's character. This tidbit also implies we'll meet Radagast Radagast in the first installment of the Hobbit trilogy when it opens December 14th. So are you are you ready to hear this, Miles? Oh yeah. All right, here. Let me let me play it (laughs) here. do you think Um, I like it so far yeah a little bit of different tone there toward the end Mm -hmm. but the beginning very reminiscent of Lord of the Rings the original trilogy so I'm definitely looking forward to it and I can't wait to see this movie in theaters oh me too it'll be it'll be good times I'm glad we have this little tidbit to wet our appetites and please go buy your tickets now (laughs) no but I I can't wait to see the Hobbit we're looking forward to it oh me too it will be good it'll be fantastic all right let's move into our next story here so, we, we we know that
3: uh, Disney has acquired the uh, Star Wars. Yeah, no
2: surprise. We actually didn't cover that story, so we just mentioned it now. Right. We also know that Harrison Ford has shown some interest in doing another Star Wars movie, and he's not the only one. Yes. So go ahead, Miles. So now Princess
3: Leia wants back in for the new Star Wars trilogy. Uh, so we already know that Harrison Ford is willing to come back and play Her- Han Solo one more time, but he ain't the only icon who's interested. Could it be that the hand's soulmate in a galaxy far, far away could want to come back too? Looks like it. Carrie Fisher was accosted on the streets by TMZ, as they are wont to do, and asked what, 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 frankly, we all wanted to know. Will she come back if asked to play Leia? Well, first they asked her how it felt to be a Disney princess, to which she answered, Fantastic, made my day. Then they asked if she'd be in the next new Star Wars movie. Yeah, sure, was a the response. Then just to be... Uh, I'm not actually sure TMZ press on with. So will you be in the new one? Wouldn't you? She said with a dry response. So Disney could, would basically be fools not to sign Hannah and Leia up for return. After all, that means Jaina uh, and Jason, Han Solo, Hannah and Leia's twins in the expanded universe novels can also appear. How awesome would that be?
2: All they need is Mark Hamill on yet. Right. And then all you have is Mara Jade and you have the core of what made the expanded universe happen.
3: Yeah, I, I think I did read someplace though that the new if, if if and when they do make a new Star Wars movie, it may not go back to the novels.
2: Right. Yeah, and they aren't they aren't bound by the they've never been bound by the prior books.
3: Right. I mean, Lucas considered the, the the novels that came out later canon, but uh, Disney doesn't have to. No, it doesn't. And
2: uh, and you know, quite frankly, it'd be awesome to have some fresh stories in the universe. Anyway, so if they don't follow that line, <laughs> great. But there has been a tie. All six movies have had a, had a tie, you know, tie in with all the characters. It'd be great to bring some of these characters back, right? Um, at least we could have Boba Fett back, right? He crawls out of Sarlacc pit. He's gonna be great in the
3: graphic novel, yeah, yeah <laughs> right,
2: right, and in the book, in the organization. Okay. So you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, I, you know, I She, I'm excited.
3: I'm cautiously optimistic,
2: yeah. Yeah, we'll see if this actually happens. Uh, Mm -hmm. um,
3: It'll be a while before. I'm still waiting if the Star Wars live-action TV series will ever come about.
2: Yeah, who knows what will happen now that they sold it to Disney. Disney has a little bit more uh, staying power maybe than Lucas, I don't know. And money, so. Yeah, maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe. Well, Miles, let's move into this week
3: in Star Trek. So this week in Star Trek, uh, so Kate McGrew says Picard
2: and Janeway were the only real Trek captains. So before you read the story, Miles... Did you read the story already? No, I haven't actually. So, uh, what do you think of her statement just off the bat? The um, only real Trek captains.
3: I, I I want to take exception to it. Okay, who else
2: needs to be in there?
3: Well, all of them. All, all of them. I mean, um, they were all different, which you know made them all wonderful in their own way. But to say that Picard and, and Janeway were the only real Trek captains—these
2: are like it, fighting words, you know.
3: Oh, those are very yeah viciously. I'm
2: waiting for Shatner's video response to this.
3: Oh, I wait. Yeah. <laughs> Right. I mean, for crying out loud, I mean, uh, he was really the first. So, well, let's let's, let's read this article and see what, what – let, let, let's let uh, Kate Mulgrew explain herself. It is a truth universally acknowledged among fans everywhere that there are five captains in the Star Trek universe. James T. Kirk from the original series, Jean-Luc Picard from The Next Generation – Benjamin Sisko from D Space Nine, uh, Catherine Janeway from Voyager, and Jonathan Archer from Enterprise. However, according to actress Kate Mulgrew, played uh, Janeway for seven seasons on Star Trek Voyager, that's not exactly true. What the heck is this? What in the, in the Alpha Quadrant is Kate Mulgrew prattling on about? Is what you guys must be thinking about r- right now, right? In an interview with a, a split uh, Mulgrew was asked about a, a certain comment she made that there's only two real captains, yourself and, and Mr. Stewart. To which McGrew replied no this is not gonna this is this, this, this is gonna go viral then the journalist also mentioned that uh, Shatner was not necessarily one to which McGrew then said well there are only two captains who were, were lost in space who did seven y- years okay Space 9 was a uh, space station Shatner only did three seasons and, and and Scott Bakula was canceled after four as you guys well know Picard was was never lost in space but he did uh, did do seven seasons of Star Trek Next Generation and four films. So he was relatively uh, busy in in space and the captain of the U.S. Enterprise, uh, both the D and E. Then the journalist mentioned that uh, Avery Brooks was only a commander, which was true at first, but fans will recall that he was promoted to the rank of captain in in the season three episode, The Adversary. That's what I'm saying. It was a space station. He wasn't in space, lost in space. Patrick Stewart and I uh, were were, were the only two uh, intrepid lost in space captains. I really think that's true, right? So, do you agree with Kate
2: Mulgrew's comments? I don't know. So, what do you you think, Miles?
3: Um, yeah, I I don't put much into those at all, really.
2: Well, you know, I kind of see your point about Avery Brooks. Okay, Avery Brooks isn't really a captain. He's not really commanding a ship. Right. It's a spaceship. Is a space station and can it fly? Yes, but it's not that. So I see him maybe as being maybe not in the same part as some of the others.
3: But he does get a ship in season three. They they, they give him the Defiant, um, and so I mean he he's not on the ship all the time. He's not he's not an explorer like 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 uh, Picard or Kirk, and but. Um, you know he he's still given a huge amount of responsibility commanding a space station and looked at as a re, as as religious uh, icon
2: I figure uh, so you would disagree with with Cap, captain Janeway here oh yeah i i would i don't want to be sitting across the table when you do that i mean what's jacody your going to say
3: well i'm just he afraid going what she would
2: take your arse, man i'm just afraid what out. she
3: would say i mean i i know i mean i i i've seen her face to face i mean if, you know if she wanted to you know with those eyes of hers, or if, her, or if her eyes became swords, I'd be dead. I mean,
2: Yeah, no, no doubt about it. So you're taking on Janeway here. But, folks, let us know what you think about yeah. this. Are Janeway and Picard the only true Star Trek captains?
3: Yeah, I, 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 there's more I can say, but, I, I, yeah, I, I take some <laughs> exception. All right, well, let's. Uh, why don't you share this story here? <laughs> so we have some uh, Next Generation Season 2 Blu-ray news. Uh, for all of you uh, TNG fans, and come on, who isn't? Star Trek Trek The Next Generation Season 2 is headed to Blu-ray December 4th. Hey, just just in time for Christmas, or Picard Day, or whatever. The new release will include a special edition of The Measure of a Man that includes deleted scenes and different angles from the broadcast version. Pretty cool. Also including the special release, a must-see reunion of the cast, who were brought together earlier this year in Calgary in celebration of the 25th anniversary of the series. Produced exclusively for, exclusively for the series, Blu ray, this never before seen reunion roundtable chat featured all the best known cast r- regulars joined together for the first time in years to tape a discussion about the legacy of the series. You get a copy of Star Trek Next Generation
2: Season 2 on Blu ray from Amazon. Let's play the uh, trailer for this. How about it?
1: Sounds good. All stations report. Sick band alert, Captain. Engineering section report what is our situation security override request identify Picard, jean-luc captain uss enterprise captain we may not be able to get control on screen star trek the next generation goes to the next level on blu-ray with all 22 season two episodes including the introduction to the fan favorite villain the board fire when ready And the unforgettable episode, The Measure of a Man. Praised by Entertainment Weekly as one of the top ten episodes of the series. What is he? A machine. Is he? Are you sure? Yes. You see, he's met two of your three criteria for ascension, so what if he meets a third? What is he then? Along with brilliantly remastered picture and visual effects from the original camera negatives. Plus English language 7.1 surround sound and the original audio tracks. Jam-packed with new special features, including a historic, intimate cast reunion produced exclusively for the series' Blu-ray release. I talked to writers, and some of the actors, and they all said the same thing. It can't work. You cannot revive an iconic series. And it's quite remarkable to comprehend the, how, how important this has been to, to
0: many, many, many
1: people all over the world. I think there was a real big turning point, which was when Whoopi came on the show. And by the time the Romulans attacked, he sat in that chair like this. And Patrick was going, Jonathan, oh, Jonathan, 25 years in the Royal Shakespeare Company for this. It's all true. all true. All true. I watched the Blu-ray, and like you said, it looks like we shot it yesterday with state-of-the-art equipment. It looks amazing. And I what? said this, I said this, the, um, go ahead. Mike. I swear, I know you are. I I don't want you to hurt me, which is why I'm letting you go on talking. Uh, See, I forgot what I was going to say. Yes! (laughs) Ah, yes! (laughs) Star Trek The Next Generation Season 2 for the first time ever in glorious true high definition coming soon to Blu-ray. Engage. Also available: Star Trek: The Original Series. Own all three seasons on Blu-ray.
2: Okay, here's the thing: I probably won't ever own this in Blu-ray, mm-hmm. but I would own it just to see that reunion.
3: Oh, I'm sure that'll be just gr- that'd be
2: great to see. I bet you'll be able to rent them eventually. But- oh, I th- I eventually, I'm sure
3: Netflix will make them available for rental, and um, if the prices come way, way down. And if Maybe not in the future I wouldn't mind getting them, but I'm not. In a, I'm not in a hurry to get them now, though. No,
2: no. You can stream all the seasons on uh, Netflix right now. Right. right? Uh, mm-hmm. So the, sto- the stories hold up. The effects obviously are going to be a little bit better in the Blu-ray, but right. So uh, not going to be in my Christmas list. Maybe it'll be my Christmas list, but not. I wouldn't go out and buy it myself. So.
3: No, I'll probably you know if if it. I want my rent, rent in that disc that has that reunion. I'm sure that would be fun to see.
2: But that's a pretty good-looking – that's a pretty good-looking trailer they have for it. That's for sure. Oh, definitely. It shows really good effects. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, anything else in Star Trek world? Is that about it?
3: I think that's it this week.
2: All right. Well, then let's let's move into our last promo tonight. We're going to give the folks over to Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV podcast. i love Kevin Batchelder and company as they continue to pump out episodes covering your favorite TV shows. Make sure you check out Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV.
1: Pass it on to the other guys, and I got it from his corpse. Right. Hello, Echo. How are you feeling? Did I fall asleep? For a little while. Previously on Heroes. You had to go and be the detective, didn't you,
2: man? I'm not an aggressive person, but. Ugh, man, there's just
0: way is? too much on all and these channels.
1: Good, but only in game. Everybody lives roast. Just this one! In your dreams, not loaf! Bite my shiny metal hat Sometimes I get I get visions. Walter, what are you doing? What you learn? I wish there was some way to find out what's really worth watching There is What? Who? What was that? Tuning into Sci-Fi TV is the viewer's guide to genre television Where is that coming from? With its spoiler-free quick reviews and water cooler and the spoiler-filled in-depth back porch discussions, tuning into sci-fi TV is the only resource fans need to know what's on, what's good, and what's coming soon in science fiction and fantasy television. How did you get into my house? Join Kevin, Wendy, and Brandy each week for the latest in genre television. I'm calling the police. Uh, you can find tuning into sci-fi TV at tuning into sci-fi No, seriously. How did you get into my house?
3: Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we are delighted to be talking to a returning guest at the Sci Fi Diner podcast. For years, we have enjoyed his work and contributions to comic books and sci fi literature, and we're excited to be talking about his newest published work. The author of Star Trek, The Complete Unauthorized History, uh, Mr. Robert Greenberger. Mr. Greenberger, welcome and thank you for taking time to talk with us on the Sci Fi Diner podcast.
0: Oh, always a pleasure.
3: We're happy to be talking to you again. Um, when I first heard about this at Shirley, I was very excited about this project, and as a lover of all things Star Trek, I, I, I couldn't wait to uh, I had a chance to read it.
0: And how does it look to you?
3: Very impressive. Uh, uh, I, can't, I can't wait to dive into it. Um, some beautiful pictures in there. I'm, I'm feeling nostalgic already. But. You know, this
2: is a beautiful book. You know, we have Christmas coming up. This is a perfect book, number one, to give as a gift, but also to get as a gift. I mean, it's beautifully bound. It's hardbound and mm-hmm. uh, uh, beautiful, glossy pictures of all sorts of Trek memorabilia, things that will take you down uh, uh, memory lane, that's for sure. Um, I love the picture that you have in there of Mark Okarin being held by Klingons.
0: Yeah, that was a fun promotional shot we found. Yeah, yeah.
3: I was just paging through it. And I saw, hey, there, there's Mokar. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. We had a chance to interview him at Farpoint, I guess. So, so very cool. Well, I, I guess the first question for you here is: What kind of inspired you to take on this huge task? I mean, come on. You're teaching, or at least in the midst of teaching. Uh, you're you're doing other writing as well, and here comes a possibility of the unauthorized Star Trek. What what made you say, you know, what I'm going to tackle Star Trek in a huge volume like you did?
0: Interesting question. Uh, started with they came to me. Uh, the editor at Voyager Press, uh, which is based out in Minnesota, uh, reached out to me based on uh, a colleague's recommendation, and. I was really tempted because I hadn't written about Star Trek in a while. I I definitely still love the material and and was missing writing about it or for it. And it occurred to me that there really hasn't been a comprehensive history of the, all the series and movies and what ifs, you know, the, the possible versions that never happened. And then they said they really also wanted to cover the fan element because without the fans, Star Trek would not have endured, and that just sold me because it was fresh, it was different, and it was a chance to really take a glow, uh, a larger picture perspective than it had been done previously.
2: Hmm. Yeah, and it definitely is a is a is a is a different take on some of the uh, the anthologies and some of the other things that are out there regarding
0: Star Trek, and and I, it's unique. So, and that was tremendous fun. And fortunately, you know, having grown up on this stuff, I really. Had um, you know a lot of the research at my fingertips and a lot of the knowledge in the back of my brain, so um, even though I only had three months to do it, it really wasn't that impossible a task.
2: Well, and you have this huge um, uh, you have a, you, you have this huge uh, collaborators. I want to say cohorts, uh, uh, authors that already been in Star Trek that you also can pull from. I love the shot of Kevin Domore and uh, Dayton Ward in the thinking uh, oh, right. outfit. So, because we were there for that, Miles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Miles, go ahead.
3: So, this is kind of, this is a two-part question. Now, in the title, it's called Star Trek, the Complete Unauthorized History. Now, being unauthorized, does that mean this is an independent effort on, on your and your publisher's part without the blessing and
0: aid of Paramount and CBS? Correct. Okay. Uh, under the somewhat gray area known as the Fair Use Doctrine, you're allowed so much License, you know material owned by other people in, in what might be considered a scholarly work and so they went to the limit of of what they were comfortable with legally and then added in all the pictures of memorabilia and conventions and other material that rounded out the book and it, you know, it certainly gave it a unique feel yeah so so what is,
2: what is what is kind of the line in fair use when you're dealing with something like Star Trek?
0: Boy, that is so murky. I, uh, you'd have to, you know, everyone's got a different um, appetite for how much legal trouble they may or may not want to get into. Uh, in this case, uh, you know, I can't speak for the the lawyers over at Voyager, but we we clearly knew that Paramount protects their properties very, very carefully. So, you know, we went with as much public domain permissible material, and which turns out did not include materials released um as as press material for any of the movies or tv shows, so we had to be really really careful hmm. now
2: did did you ever run this did, was this book run by paramount or cbs no. or you guys just put it nope. out
0: first time paramount any representative from paramount saw the finished book was when it made its debut at the new york comic-con in october
2: okay and you've heard nothing yet so, and we hope uh, as up. the
0: author, I wouldn't. They'd, they'd take their issues up with the uh, uh, the publisher itself. Oh well, very good then. So,
2: their problem, right? Pretty much, uh, yeah. Nice. But uh, hopefully, I mean, CBS
0: and Paramount
3: should be, you know, still happy that people are still, you know, vested in So you're drawing
2: attention to the franchise. I yeah. mean, come on, that's not a bad thing. Uh,
0: and the other thing, you know, the fans have to recognize is that by not being licensed we're allowed to actually have a real strong point of view and an opinion and air some of the dirty laundry Paramount would prefer to gloss over.
3: Right, right. That was going to be the second part of my question is, what you know? what's the pros and cons of doing an unauthorized history for you as a writer and then for us as the reader?
0: Well, obviously people on staff at Paramount would not be able to participate in a project like this. So if somebody was currently – working on a paramount movie or tv show or worked in an executive capacity for the company uh, they probably would not be permitted to talk to me um that's a con another con is certainly you know limiting us on the graphics the pros however is that it can really be a much more fair and balanced look at the franchise warts and all
2: I think one of the things that I really enjoyed as I looked through it is you open up with a story of of an astronaut. I forget his name; It slips my mind. Who's the astronaut? From the astronaut, what what is the name of the astronaut that uh, was kind of inspired by Star Trek?
3: Uh, Thomas D. Jones.
2: Thomas D. Jones. I think one of the things that I liked about this, Bob, is the fact that you start off with the story of you start off really the anthology by talking about how Star Trek has inspired really what is a fan into his profession you know, in space. And one of the stories that Miles and I have heard as we've talked to people is, and have encountered over the years is how Star Trek has inspired them to do what they're doing. And I think that's one of the things. And so I love the fact that you're starting off the anthology with that.
0: And actually we bookended because the last real chapter in the book is also a look at uh, Star Trek's influence on people and on technology and culture. Hmm. So it really does wrap everything together nicely.
2: Yeah. Well, I think I think this is probably one of the reasons that we have such a, a staying power of Star Trek is the fact that it's, it's had such an impact on people. Yeah. So.
3: Others have attempted, uh, uh, done an attempt to do what, you, what, you, what you've done. What will be different in this historical kind of about Star Trek that readers can look forward to? And you did
0: touch upon us a little, but maybe you could expand upon that. Well, okay. Unique probably for the first time since David Gerald's World of Star Trek, which he wrote back in 1973 or so, we really do focus on the fanzines, the conventions, the fan movement, the positive impact the TV show and, and its spin-offs have had on individuals and on society as a whole. And I think they really need to be celebrated. I really mm-hmm. think yeah. Star Trek would not have survived the 1970s had the fans not been clamoring for more and opening people's eyes up to the fact that there is much more to a television property than just ratings.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I assume then that you always, you also touch on the whole fam film craze that happens.
0: We actually, um, yeah, uh, David Gallanter, who has written for the Star Trek novels and has written for one of the fan productions, took a, a, a look at how people were inspired to do their own, stories continuing where Roddenberry left off um, either at the end of um, the fi- five year mission from the TV series or a different point and how so many people who have worked on the TV show and movies professionally are doing this out of love of the material and support of the fans is a real testament. There's been nothing else like this in any other property you can think of. Hmm
2: and especially to the extent that I think that has happened in Star Trek. It's not like it hasn't happened in the uh, Star Wars franchise, but it's a whole different animal when you get into the Star Trek.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, the Star the Star Wars fans they, they do funny compilations and there's Pink Five and a, and a number of other similar things, but no one is actually going out telling stories of Han, Luke and Leia and, you know, what happened afterwards. Right, right. Well, who knows? Now that Disney got a hold of it, <laughs> Probably a good
2: thing. Yeah, it probably (laughs) is a good thing. I mean, it's probably – we might get some better writing in the Star Wars episodes. That's for sure. One Uh, hopes. Yeah, we can always hope.
3: And maybe the the, the original Star Wars movies will be left alone.
2: Yeah, probably. Probably. They won't alter them anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, So how much material do you kind of devote to the series themselves and the various incarnations of Star Trek? You know, the funny thing
0: is I started writing this – and researching it and writing, and and I I just kept plowing ahead. And every now and then, I'd check in with my editor, and i go, I'm running over over my word count, but I'm just telling all these stories. We'll figure it out later. And my editor is, you know, blithely going along, nodding his head, you know, up in Minnesota. Until finally, around the beginning of December, he said, Wait a second, just how over are you? (laughs) So I had to stop and I had to pause and, and do some calculations. And I was running nearly 100% over my contracted word count. And he said, yeah, that's not going to work. And I'm not going to be able to do all that editing myself. So uh, Paul Simpson, who used to edit the Star Trek magazine for Titan. And Howard Weinstein, who's a novelist and wrote one of the animated episodes, uh, who had been basically backstopping me um, as I was writing, Help me um, trim and trim and trim. So one of the guidelines was I, I had to come up with a percentage basis of, of my word count so much for the original series and the movies and then TNG and so on. So I would say it's about 25% original series, 10% original series movies and and on from there. Obviously there's a lot less to say about Voyager and Enterprise because First of all, Voyager had seven seasons, no movies, and and there wasn't a lot more to say. Enterprise had fewer seasons, and there have been no books about it, uh, which was a challenge. And I finally tracked down Manny Cotto to uh, talk to him because he was the producer of seasons three and four and is credited for producing the two better seasons. So Mm. I got his input, which was invaluable.
2: Right, right. So, as you've gone through this process, uh, was there anything that you learned that was kind of new? I know you said you've been pulling, you you pulled through a lot of stuff that you knew already or a lot of the connections you had. Was there anything you learned in this process that kind of surprised you or any stories that you never knew before that kind of stick out?
0: You know, honestly, um, because I didn't have the time or the flexibility to go running around conducting fresh interviews beyond Manny or uh, some of the fans. I had to rely on tons of memoirs that, have, that the actors and producers have written, plus things like David Gerald's World of Star Trek and um, Star Trek Lives and some of the other books uh, from the 70s about the, the movies and TV shows. Um, so the one thing I think, I tripped over this time around that I didn't previously know as I found a fascinating article online that did a very nice analysis of the actual Nielsen ratings for the show's first three seasons on NBC, which gave me a real better sense of, you know, how the show was faring and whether or not it really was not as much trouble as they thought it was. Uh,
2: and so how, how did it fare?
0: You know, the first year was okay. Um, the the letter writing campaign that Harlan Ellison organized among science fiction writers turned out not to be needed Um, the show was what you would call today a bubble show during its second season and yeah there were some noises about it wasn't doing what it should Um, NBC wasn't necessarily going to cancel it but Roddenberry got scared enough that he secretly funded the um, Star Trek Lives letter writing campaign and there, he convinced NBC to renew the show, and NBC really didn't want all that publicity and all that pressure, so they renewed it, but basically told Paramount, we think Roddenberry was behind this, you gotta sit on him. And Paramount nodded and said, absolutely no problem, we'll sit on him. And then Roddenberry billed Paramount to be reimbursed for the $900 plus it cost him to, to save the series. Oh, nice. <laughs> How did it do? How did it do its third season then? Well, then it was Friday nights at ten. It was dead. Um, the the ratings were horrible. The competition was fierce. Um, the the quality wasn't there, and the audience it was aimed at were out on dates. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, Friday night at ten was a death slot back then for most any show that wasn't a crime show or a doctor show, and uh, you know. NBC didn't want to put it there, but they were forced into it by uh, George Schlatter, the producer of and who refused to give up his Monday night slot. Yeah. And by then, Laffin was making tons of money for NBC, so he won.
2: Well, and uh, who's going to argue with the dollar, right? Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Go ahead, Miles. Um, who else did you consult um,
3: for some of your material for the book? I know you talk about Manny Cotto. Well,
0: Um. Well... I directly reached out to numerous fans, uh, including Deborah Langsim, who, um, edited the first Star Trek fanzine and helped organize the, uh, first convention. Mm. Talked to, um, uh, people like Maggie Thompson who wrote about being at the 1966 world con when Roddenberry showed the pilot days before it aired on TV. So, um, got the SF fans behind him. Um, talked to, you know, my fellow novelists and, um, all of them who shared stories they heard from various actors and really I tapped my own memories of, of talking about the behind the scenes shenanigans with many of the actors and producers through the years. Mm-hmm.
2: Hmm. Yeah, no.
0: So, uh, the
2: book is now, um, is now available, right? And yeah, you can, yeah and the official on-sale date was this week. Was this week. So it's good that we're doing the podcast this week then. We'll, uh, we'll be able to help push some people that direction. The, uh, is it available where every good book is sold?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Voyager is uh, distributed through all the major distributors. It's available online at all you, your favorite online book retailers. Uh, currently not available as an ebook. I believe they're looking into it. And where it is, it's selling well enough, they're already talking second printing. That is good.
2: Congratulations. Yeah. Looking, Thank you. Yeah, that, that, that's great that you're doing that. Um, wh- one more question I missed. After reading this book, is there anything that you would like the readers to kind of walk away from as far as t- w- taking with them, I guess, is what I'm saying?
0: Gene Roddenberry had the initial idea. But as we discover, especially during the first three years and then – uh the first couple years of the next generation star trek is so much more the sum of the parts than all than just one man star trek would not be what it is if it wasn't for the creative input of people like dc fontana and gene Kuhn, and the production wizardry of robert justman who went above and beyond what a a production manager should be doing on a tv show by contributing as much creatively as he did um guys like mark daniels who directed numerous episodes in the first season giving it a, a solid look and a feel um there are all these unsung heroes who contributed and don't get anywhere near enough credit um and you know i'm not trying to take away from what gene did because none of this would have happened without him but he was very stingy at sharing credit until late in the process. So I think, you know, that's the takeaway.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So how can our list, uh, How can our listeners find out more about you and your past work and your current projects? Where can they go to find that out?
0: Um, somebody did a Wikipedia page for me, but beyond that, I've got my own website, <laughs> www.bobgreenberger.com. I've got bibliography and list of appearances, and I blog a couple times a week. Uh, beyond that, uh, I'm on Facebook, Twitter. I get around.
3: Right, right, right. Are we you making uh, some convention appearances in the next uh, few months?
0: Um, I'm actually doing some bookstore appearances throughout Connecticut um, this month and next uh, in support of the book. But as far as conventions are concerned, the next one uh, is going to be Farpoint down in uh, Timonium, Maryland in uh, February. I mean, spring seems to be my busy season. Yeah.
2: 20th anniversary of Farpoint this year.
0: Right. So, yeah, Farpoint and Lunacon in Westchester, New York, uh, Icon, uh, at Hofstra University on Long Island. Uh, they're a week apart in March. You know, uh, probably, you know, something else between now and shore leave in August. So, yeah,
2: we'll good.
0: see. Um, I am actively working now on yet another science fiction property that may or may not put me on the road a little bit so that we'll see right right can you tell us anything or is it right now under oh yeah i'm happy to talk about this um after earth starring will smith and his son jaden smith which is coming out in june of 2013 uh it's an original science fiction story uh from an idea of smith had and uh he helped write the screenplay with um Gary Whitta, who wrote the screenplay for the book of Eli, okay. and uh, it's directed by M Night Shyamalan. And I like the fact that it's an original story as opposed to Iron Man three or or JJ Abrams Star Trek two or Man of Steel. It's you know it'll be a breath of fresh air amidst all the sequels self of the summer. So that's nice. Um, the other thing is that uh, Peter David, Michael Jan Friedman, and I were hired by Overbrook Entertainment, the uh, production company, to take. Uh, Witta's screenplay and turn it into a full-blown Bible covering literally thousands of years of backstory. Awesome. And based on the 300-page Bible that the three of us crafted, uh, we're now writing a bunch of material for various publishers. Uh, Mike and I did a prequel comic that came out from Dynamite Entertainment last month. Mike, Peter, and I are all writing digital short stories featuring characters referenced in the movie um, that will be released by Random House as ebooks um starting in December. And then uh, Mike, Peter, and I are writing a prequel novel called A Perfect Beast that will be out in March. Peter is writing the novelization, which will be out in April. And I'm writing what's called The Colonial Rangers Survival Manual. Um, the Colonial Rangers are a, the... Um, agency that will smith and his son jaden um have characters participating in so i've done this uh for inside editions and that'll be out um according to amazon uh may 14th so got a ton of after stuff coming out but the fact that we're all doing it together based on stuff we generated means it's really going to be coherent integrated supporting one another and hopefully fresh original and entertaining
2: yeah Well, can you tell us a little bit about the premise of the uh, Will Smith story then?
0: It is a father-son story and takes place a thousand years after mankind basically did not learn their lessons and avoided all the warning signs and ecologically we had passed the tipping point and there was no hope for Earth and we had to leave. And in 2072, six arcs Carrying the best of humanity, left Earth and traveled a hundred years to a distant world called Nova Prime. And we, the movie picks up a thousand years later, and something happens, and Will Will and, uh, Will's character is in danger, and Jaden's character has to come to his aid, and things happen. Ah, uh,
2: very cool. Well, that sounds interesting. I definitely want to see that. Yeah. Definitely awesome. I think it's awesome that you guys are able to work together on that and looking forward to delving into some of the material. And you said some of that material is available now?
0: Uh, Yeah, the prequel comic book came out uh, uh, about three weeks ago from Dynamite. And it is an original story that Mike and I created based on um, the character's first contact with the alien race that – for what, it, for some reason, wants them off this planet, hmm.
2: and we of course don't know that yet. Now, no, we don't. No. Uh, so, uh, and I imagine information to get this book is through your website. We can find that.
0: Yeah, um, actually, all the books I, um, the the prequel novel, novelization, and uh, the survival manual are all listed on Amazon currently. Also, um, on the Random House and Insight Editions. Uh, publisher websites the ebooks I'm waiting for the word when those are going to be listed online but like I said they will debut in December concurrent with the first trailer for the film awesome
2: awesome well we can't wait to see the film and we can't do we can't wait to see some of the worlds that you create out of that piece of work so thank you are you doing uh, are you or anyone that you know are doing the novelization of the actual film itself
0: Peter. Peter's Peter. doing the novel himself. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. I know
2: he's done a couple
0: others as well. Have
2: you ever done a novelization of a
0: film? Uh, the only one I've ever done was Hellboy Two: The Golden Army.
2: Oh yeah, that's right. I remember. I remember seeing that. Oh, very good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I believe that's about it, right? Any other yeah. questions you have for Bob before I cut him loose?
3: Uh, Bob, I, I thank you for doing this book. I can't wait to dig into it. I'm sure I'm going to have a, a lot of enjoyment reading it.
2: Yep, thanks my, my pleasure it was tremendous fun yeah so Star Trek The Unauthorized History available on Amazon and every other good bookstore that you can find it Bob thank you so much for uh, sitting down with us tonight we look forward to seeing you at Farpoint
0: yes I look forward to it guys and hopefully by then again I'll show you some of the After Earth stuff and get you excited oh man I can't wait I can't wait
2: well guys he's listening make sure you check out Star Trek The Unauthorized History and many of the other works of Bob Greenberg are back we hope that you enjoyed our interview with bob greenberger great man
3: yes and uh he put together a great book and i'm gonna try to make sure i get it and autograph it for
2: farpoint and uh, miles is not gonna let go of it it's mine it is his so if you want him you're gonna have to take him out take him out so Get your own, yeah. Get your own, and uh, Amazon. You said has them for what twenty six bucks? It's not a bad price for a book like that,
3: right? I heard it was originally retail for about forty, but yeah, I saw it on Amazon for twenty six dollars. It's a change. great. That's going to be a great Christmas gift. So it's it's a thick book. It's 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 a well put together book, and uh, I'm sure the information is going to be uh, fantastic.
2: Awesome. Well, all we have really left is our sci fi five and five, and it is great Firefly Serenity quotes. He doesn't say top. Mm-hmm. He says, but these are great quotes, Miles. And you came up with them, right?
3: Yeah. I, they're, they're not in any – I can't say which one is is better than the other ones. But um, – and, and, and I, when I say quotes, I mean I have a couple sentences from different characters and so we get the context.
2: Very good. Very good. Well, so we're going to have to like play parts here, right? Yeah. So quote five has – let's start with quote five. Quote five has Inara or Mal. Who do you mm-hmm. want to be?
3: Um, I'm secure in my masculinity. I'll be Inara.
2: Okay. Now, you got to be a pissed, Inara, it says. Yes.
3: All right, all right. All right. Go ahead. What did I say to you about barging into my shuttle? Uh, that it was manly and impulsive? Yes, precisely. Only the exact phrase I used was, don't. <laughs> Great
2: line, again, by, uh, by Nara. there. Yes. Um, how about the next one, four? Uh, we actually have three parts, so we'll just take you every which for, line.
3: All right. Uh, so this is Kaylee. She's pointing to a pink frilly dress. Say, look at that fluffy one. Too much foo for all. I'm going to wear a dress. I want something with some slink. And and this is Wash. You want a slinky dress? I could buy you a slinky dress. Captain, can I have some money for a slinky dress? Jane says, I'll chip in. (laughs) Zoe says? Zoe says to Jane,
2: I can hurt you. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? You know, one woman that you would not Want to get on a bad side of is Zoe. Absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. We should do it, the top five women that you would not want to get on the bad side of in sci fi. That would be a good sci fi five. That'd five. be a great sci fi five. What? Um, Sigurney Weaver and, mm-hmm. and, and Alien. That would, would be on her bad side. And um, let's see. Uh, Mila Jovich, character and, in Resident uh, Evil. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be on her bad side. And, uh, so, uh, yeah. yeah we'll, there's a bunch of We'll, we'll, we'll come up with that. Right. That's another list altogether. Mm-hmm. Number three uh, starts out. Mal says, so she's added cussing and hurling things uh, of things to her repertoire. She really is a prodigy.
3: And this is Simon. It's just a bad day.
2: No, a bad day. This is Mal again. No, a bad day is when someone's yelling spooks the cattle. Understand? You ever see a cattle stampede where they got no place to run? It's kind of like a meat grinder. And it'll lose us half the herd. Simon says, she hasn't gone anywhere near the cattle. Mal says, no, but in case you haven't noticed, her voice kind of carries. We're two miles above the ground, and they can probably hear her down there. Soon as we unload, she can holler till our ears bleed. To River. Although I would take it as a kindness if she didn't. And this is River. Mm
3: That the the human body can be drained of blood in 8.6 seconds given adequate vacuuming uh, systems.
2: Mal to Simon says, See, morbid and creepifying. I got (laughs) no problem with it, as long as she does it quiet like. Right. So, So again, a great dialogue with this. By the way, they're doing a 10 year reunion I saw on the Sci Fi. Is it Sci Fi Channel? Oh, I haven't heard. Yeah, no. our Science Channel, they're going to mm-hmm. do a 10-year reunion, mm-hmm. and they're airing a bunch of episodes, and then they're having interviews with the cast. I'll have to I to it's it. the
3: entire cast. We'll have to look for that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, number two. So Mal says, uh, cut her down. Villager, the girl's a witch. Mal says, yeah, but she's our witch. Cocks a gun and points it at him. So cut her the hell down. Number one bandit. Oh, this is number one. That's, yes. number one.
2: That's a great line, by the way.
3: Yeah. yeah. Number one, the bandit says, and I think maybe we're going to give... I'll back up. And I think maybe you're going to give me a little one on one time with the missus. Husband,
2: who is Jane. Oh, I think you might want to reconsider that last part. See, I married me a powerful, ugly creature. The wife, the Mal. How can you say that? How
3: could you shame me in front of new people?
2: Husband, who is Jane. If I could make you prettier, I would.
3: Mal, you're not the man I met a year ago. Then suddenly draws the guns on the Bennets. Um. Mal slowly pulls off his bonnet. Yes. So now think this. The Mal says. Yes. Now now think real hard. You've been bird dogging this township a while now. They wouldn't mind a corpse of you. Now you can uh, luxuriate in a nice jail cell. But if you if
2: your hand touches metal, I swear by my pretty floral bonnet, I will end you. That last part is a phenomenal line. I love that. I got to go back and watch that scene. Yeah. So because it's just so fun. It's one of the best openings of a Firefly episode. I love. This is great.
3: I'm sure they had a lot of fun filming that.
2: <laughs> you know, here it is, Joss Whedon at his best with his writing and the wittiness. I'm so glad he's doing an Avengers TV show. Oh, I am too. And so, I'm very looking forward. I'm very much looking forward to it. So that is our Sci-Fi Five and Five again. If you have your own Sci-Fi Five and Five that you want to cont- contribute to the show, or you want to comment on anything that we said tonight. You can call in at 1 508 4343. Email us at the Sci Diner Podcast at gmail.com. Miles, where can they find out more about us? Well,
3: you can go to our main website, uh, scifidinerpodcast.com. Uh, also, we have a very thriving uh, Facebook page. Uh, join us on our Facebook page. Yeah,
2: uh, conversations about shows, mm-hmm. news that comes up, and um, yeah, Facebook.com.
3: Uh, find us on Twitter, sci-fi diner podcast at Twitter. I'm son of wharf at Twitter.
2: And we are on YouTube as well. You can find some of our interviews on there as well. Thanks to Colin from Check Trek News and Views, who's just a phenomenal individual. We Thank you, you Colin. Colin. We love you. We do. All right. So uh, until next time, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We're going to shut down the diner and get out of here, Miles.
3: All right. Till next time, good night and good
2: luck. Oh, I guess I'll say good night.